0: $500 to her name, and a one-way ticket across the world after her college graduation. Since then, my guest, Glow Autonomo, has built a successful six-figure online business doing what she loves. That's right. She's built her passion-led business mainly through blogging from the ground up, all while traveling the world. She's a travel blogger with a twist, and she's so scrappy and sounds like Beyonce in the shower for the record. And today, she's revealing the truth about being a multi-passionate entrepreneur. She might surprise you with what she shares about being multi-passionate and what you need beyond passion and building a business that's backed by something you love. Oh, and we even get into talking about if blogs are dead or if they are still valuable and if you should consider investing time and energy into yours. Listen to find out. I'm Amy Porterfield and this is online marketing made easy. first time I stumbled upon Glow, I thought I wanted to hang out with her even more. It was her energy, her clarity, her business savvy that also comes with a big dose of fun. She just sounds like she's smiling when she talks, which you all know I love. And speaking of fun, you should see her post about her travels. And I'd be lying if I said I didn't think for just a second what it would be like to have left all of the comforts of what I've ever known and book a trip across the world. Glow makes you want to travel. But if you know me, you know I'm a homebody. So I'll leave the adventure up to Glow and live vicariously through her, which you can easily do through her Instagram channel. And because nothing lights me up more than talking to entrepreneurs who have a totally different experience than me, but still have been able to build a wildly successful business, today's interview left me on cloud nine. Seriously. Glow shares some of her scariest moments, her biggest lessons, if blogging is still as cool as it used to be, how to be a multi-passionate entrepreneur, and so much more. I loved every second of talking to Glow, and I think you will too. So let's dive in and learn from this six-figure world-traveling online business owner, who also has a digital course, by the way, and also find out where she's currently located. My brand voice guide is my business's North Star when it comes to keeping all my business content and marketing content clear, consistent, and inviting. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide to grab your copy of the brand voice guide outline you wish you had sooner. And I can promise you, you're going to elevate your brand instantly. That's amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide.
1: Glow, welcome to the show. I am so glad you're here. Yes, Amy, what's up? I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, I have so been looking forward to this. And my first question is, where in the world are you right now? Like, set the scene for me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I am in Grenada, which is a Caribbean island. It is gorgeous here. And it's uh, the weather's perfect.
0: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Actually, now that you say that I was watching you on social, it is absolutely gorgeous there. So tell everybody why you're there.
1: Yeah. So I actually was a full-time travel blogger for eight years, you know, and when COVID happened, that was the first time I got an apartment. I'm 31 years old. So I literally lived the nomadic life from 22 to 30. And when travel started to pick back up and countries were like safely opening up again, I started to get like my regular campaigns back. Like, hey, Glow, we want to fly you down, you know, tell people about Grenada. So it feels so cool to be back in my element doing digital storytelling for these beautiful countries around the world.
0: Actually, I need everybody to follow you on Instagram right now so they get a sense of just how beautiful your world is. So tell everybody on Instagram, where would they go follow you?
1: Yes, you can go to Glow Graphics, G-L-O-G-R-A-P-H-I-C-S, Glow Graphics.
0: I don't typically plug an Instagram channel the minute you get on, but yours is extra special. So I want people to like get the full picture here. Okay, so you booked a one-way ticket to Europe with $500 to your name. How old were you when you did that?
1: Yeah, I was 22. 22. Okay,
0: so tell me this. What was the scariest thing about that?
1: Ooh. Oh, here's the thing about living below your means and always kind of having like, okay, setting the stage a little bit. I'm one of six kids to two Nigerian immigrant parents. So we were kind of born into struggle. I always remember knowing that like, hmm, this surplus of money just never really existed. Literally, I remember as a teenager walking by restaurants and being like, wow, what's it like to be so rich? Other people can cook your food for you outside. Like that was our world. And so I grew up. Like $500 was still like, it felt like a lot. And I was like, "Ooh, this could probably lasts me like four months. And <laughs> so young and naive. And I also had just graduated college. And so I was kind of running away from my mother. Like I mentioned, you know, she's Nigerian. And so the concept of success was like, you're a, a doctor, a lawyer, or a disappointment. And I was a pre med major up, up until twenty, I think, on my third year when I finally changed. And I was like, I can't do this. I'm not inspired by this. And I changed to marketing, communications, and photography. And when I graduated, I told her ten days before I got before graduation that I, I'm no longer going to be a doctor. Oh gosh! <laughs> so I went to school out of co- out of state. She was in Arizona. I went to school in Kansas. And so literally, when you graduate college, you got to go back to your parents' house because you don't have a job yet. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to take my graduation money, five hundred dollars from everyone, and book a one way ticket and figure it out. And so that I I would say the scariest thing about that was just every day you were kind of living to afford the next week. Like you, I couldn't budget in how much I was going to make for the month, let alone the day. And so I was really young and scrappy. I would walk into restaurants. Let's say I was in Spain. And even though I knew I couldn't afford to eat in that restaurant, I would walk in and I would look at their menu and I was like, ooh, que equivocado. This, is, this is wrong. I, you know, I'm a native English speaker. Why don't I translate your menu for you? And actually, I'm also a graphic designer, which is where my Instagram handle comes from, Glow Graphics. So I was like, why don't I just like redesign your menu and translate it correctly for you? You could just pay me like 50 euros. And I was like creating jobs for myself <laughs> while I travel.
0: I love the scrappiness. I love it. And I feel like you've pulled that scrappiness through everything you do, like to your core, you just figure it out. Yes.
1: And I feel like that's what makes life and entrepreneurship like fun. Amy, imagine everything you ever wanted in life was handed to you on day one of your journey. What would you work for? Nothing. You know? And so I think that scrappiness also created this level of like, Ooh, this is the adventure I want. Like, this is, this is exciting to not know whether something is going to make it. We have all of these ideas and courses that we want to create and books we want to write, but we only want to write it if we know it's going to be a success. But it's like, it's so gratifying to just release it for the fact that you know, you're meant to be doing that and then figure it out from there. And that was kind of like the way I approach life.
0: Okay, so that actually is a great segue to my next question. So you took this trip, $500 to your name, you got scrappy while you were there, but what were some of the biggest lessons you learned from taking that leap of faith? Because your parents could not have been happy about that trip.
1: No. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely. (laughs) Okay, so I would say the biggest lessons I learned is that opportunity can follow you if you make yourself available and you also have to find the opportunity and not the disadvantage in things. It's so easy for us to complain before we find gratitude. Like, I don't know, you go to a restaurant and they're out of your favorite chicken. Oh my gosh, my, you know, my favorite chicken's not there. Uh, but it's like, oh, walking into this restaurant, wow, it's so cool to be able to to eat and share a meal with a friend. Like finding the gratitude and opportunity in everything rather than the complaints and wishing things were the way we wanted. And I think being so flexible, because you, you have red-eye flights, you have canceled flights. I slept on airport floors. I slept on rugs. I slept on strangers' couches from a, um, a website called CouchSurfing.com. It sounds very <laughs> dodgy, but I promise you, it was a very safe community. <laughs> but like, I learned that like, everything that was presented, whether good or bad, was an opportunity to either thrive or grow. Okay, so that
0: ties perfectly into you becoming an entrepreneur. So I'm assuming those lessons followed you into entrepreneurship. And with that, did you like I never ever thought about being an entrepreneur, I thought I'd be a corporate girl for life. I loved the structure. I love the regular paycheck, all of that. But I don't think I think you've been an entrepreneur since the day you left college.
1: Oh, hundred percent. Even before that. So I started my first blog at eleven years old. And that was like the era where computers were just brought into elementary school. And I went to a public school in California and computers were just brought in. And I never I never fit in because, you know, you have this African immigrant kid, you know, poor. I had, you know, no one wanted to hang out with me. <laughs> and so instead of going to recess and like feeling isolated because I didn't have a click to join, I stayed in class and I just I talked with my teacher or I went on the computer and started just learning and asking Jeeves because Google wasn't around back then. We had to ask <laughs> oh <my G's. laughs> gosh. Yes. And that's when I created my first blog on a website called Xanga. And that, I remember feeling like, wow, if I can't make friends in real life, maybe I can make friends online. And having this corner of the internet that belonged to me and my thoughts felt so sacred and new. And that was like the first iteration of like glow digital storytelling. But I've had five blogs before creating my travel blog in 2013.
0: Okay, that's also great to know because I want to talk about this travel blog. I want to talk about your business. But what was the first blog about?
1: (laughs) Cute boys (laughs) in school, like, you know, (laughs) teachers. Girl after my own heart. (laughs) You know. <laughs> it was really high quality journalism, Amy. Like, come yes, on. <laughs> of course
0: it was. Okay. So fast forward five blogs in and then you start your travel blog. Actually, I want a little bit more clarification. Do you still have the travel blog? Is that the main way you make money or tell me more about your business? Because everyone listening, they're entrepreneurs, probably multi passionate. So I'm, I'm really curious about the makeup of your business.
1: Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you asked this because I am one of those like <laughs> creative weirdos. Yes. <laughs> people tell me what to label. I'm like creative entrepreneur because I probably create a new job opportunity every quarter, but <laughs> my travel blog is still live and Back in 2013, influencer marketing wasn't even an industry. So no matter how people feel about the Kardashians uh and the family, they really legitimized what it meant to be an influencer. And I remember pitching and trying to negotiate those first brand deals and I would get like pretty much virtually laughed at like why would we ever pay someone to tag us? Like what what is that? And that's how new that world was of influencer marketing, which is now, you know, multi-billion dollar industry, but I was always kind of like I could foresee that the power of being able to use user-generated content to leverage a brand's message. And so back in 2013, like it was very scrappy. I remember being paid like $20, $30 for articles. I was a ghostwriter for some publications, but I was writing very basic art- articles in order to get by. And then about a year and a half later, I started to leverage sponsored opportunities so that the country would fly me, the country or the tourism board. Every country has a tourism board and a tourism authority. So they would fly me to their country. They would pay for the article. They would pay for the post. They would pay for even Snapchat. You can monetize. It was like $1,000 for five series of a Snapchat story. So cool. And yeah, so it, it was kind of like you were creating your value because at the time, it's like, how do you charge for... 500 people viewing a Snapchat story in 24 hours. Yes. (laughs) Because this was before Instagram stories. So you kind of built your value and your rate sheet as you went along. But I started to learn after doing so much of those jobs that, yes, you know, creating the multiple six-figure blog, that was kind of the end game for me. I remember feeling like if I can make a six-figure income from this travel blog, I'll feel like I've made it. And then I, I reached that. I remember being in Jamaica and I was doing multiple six figures with my blog, five and six figure brand deals, you know, traveling the world. I felt like I was like, whoa, this is the dream. This is, you did it. you made it. Like what more could you want? And then I kind of spiraled into this depression. I was like, wait, this is it. What else is there? Like, have I done enough? Is this the have I peaked too soon? (laughs) You know, I was like, "Glow, you haven't really done anything for your community. Like, you built this amazing life for yourself, but there's all these other travel bloggers that are struggling to get even just one brand deal." And that's when I created my first course, like teaching other people how to land brand deals. And that's when I learned that, like, really, the, the purpose, the mission, the joy is in the service, and it doesn't matter what you can do for yourself if you're not building something to help other people.
0: Yes. All lowercase. So go to shopify.com/slash made easy now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, that shopify.com/slash made easy. We are online marketers, which means we have unique needs, and there are so many options out there for paid media. Sometimes it's hard to figure out where should you go to reach your ideal audience. But here's the thing: Have you thought about LinkedIn ads? Tell me about, if this is not too intrusive, the way you make money, what does that look like now?
1: Yeah, so I launched the Social Educators Academy, which is kind of like, I love that because it it helps people use social media to make a difference and make a living. I started wanting to connect myself to more female entrepreneurs who had a deeper mission greater than just making money for themselves. Like helping people make money. I've helped people do five and six figure launches. Those are fun. But when you attach it to someone with a mission and a purpose and a legacy mind, that just brings so much more joy and fulfillment. So with that, like, I love it because I cap it at 30. In my first round, I had 800 applicants. Whoa, I know. <laughs> Talk about like, it's so cool. I don't want to say cool to be exclusive, but I genuinely, I, I do two coaching calls with them a week. We have a 90 minute coaching call on Sundays and then Wednesday study calls where we do table discussions around entrepreneurial tab- taboo subjects. But I love the intimacy of that. In the past, I've done classes that were just, I didn't have the capacity to learn everyone's name and story. And I really wanted to genuinely connect. And so I was like, okay, let me cap the the academy and then just do three rounds of that. So, I mean, the first academy did a quarter million dollar launch. And it's just like to be able to do that, it's a 12 week course. And yeah, it's like there's so much joy being able to say, okay, this is intimate. People get full access to me. We have a Slack group chat. And I also did this, Amy, which is like, I think kind of like so new because I don't think anyone else is doing this, but I was like, I'm going to try doing a course that is only going to be hosted on one channel. So Slack is where we do the group chat and we have all of our engagements, but it's also where I create a new channel every week to drip out the modules because I wanted them to be able to feel like they can watch the course content and ask me questions in the same space. Because in the past, when I would host it on a platform, I would have to log into that platform, see if any questions were asked under that module, and it felt a little bit scattered. And I really wanted to bring the completion rate and the engagement rate up. And I was like, okay, if I host it, if everything is only on this one app, on this one platform, in this one space, then I think people will feel less overwhelmed. So that's that's how that's going. That's fantastic.
0: But I know some of my listeners, especially some of my course creators, their heart is bursting open right now because when you said that you only do 30 people per course, and you must charge a premium price for that, right? Yeah. And charge a premium price, which I love, and you have great demand for it, but they get so much of you. Those 90-minute calls on Sunday, that's a group coaching call, right? Yes. Okay. So they get group coaching in the small setting. And I want my students or future students to hear this, that there's not one way to do this. She's got everyone in Slack. She's not using a course creation platform. Although I teach that, I don't believe it's the only way. She has 30 people per class or session, which makes it so intimate. You get to do courses in your business your own way. And Glow was courageous enough to say, I see it done all these different ways. This is the way that feels right for me. And I hear it in your voice that you, it feels good to you to do it this way. So I love that.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for just even edifying that because I think as entrepreneurs, we, th- there are proven systems, there are proven formulas that work, but I've always been a little bit of a rebel. I'm like, ooh, what if I do it this way? <laughs>
0: <laughs> We've got a lot of rebels listening right now. So I, I love that you said that for sure. But I fully cut you off, Chloe, because you were going to continue on with that train of thought.
1: Yeah, no. So I was just saying, so that's one of the ways that I make money. I also do like corporate consulting. So around last summer during George Floyd, I started using my platform to really teach on ally education in a really inviting and compassionate way. Because here was this like, this big awakening that I felt the country was going through. And I was like, okay, Glow, what, what is your voice in this movement? What is going to be your lane? And I really toyed around with it because I was like, I only have so much capacity to teach on, on social media. So I said, okay, let me do it in a way that I don't have to be on camera. I don't really even have to feel like I'm too emotionally invested. I can create these carousels that people can digest in under a minute. And it's very, it's easily shareable it's easily digestible. And that's how my platform grew over 200,000 followers last summer in a matter of weeks. And wow. that was like incredible. So I had a lot of like brands um, under NDA, I can't really say the brands, but household name brands reached out and wanted me to do corporate consulting and educating to some of their C suite executives, some of their in house departments. So I do that on the side as well. Um, I'm still doing, you know, the travel brand campaigns. I'm actually leaving for the Seychelles. Um, It's a country in East Africa. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) in a a few days. So doing those brand collaborations, I'm actually working with my agent. Uh, We are knocking on wood to land that seven-figure book deal. Yes, you (laughs) are.
0: Oh, my goodness. Can you give us a hint about the book or are you keeping it
1: secret? It's, um, I, <laughs> let's just say the core of the framework was built from the Tony Robbins event. So I'm so thankful for the way I prepared for that event, because it, it led to my agent kind of being like, Glow, I think this is, I think this is it. I think this is the Great. idea. Great.
0: <laughs> okay. So you all didn't hear, but when Glow came on before we started recording, my first question was like, how did you feel about that experience? She recently was on stage for a Tony Robbins event. She was Absolutely phenomenal. Tell everybody, just give a hint about what your topic was.
1: Everyone was coming on to kind of speak about their dot and their dot being the people that they were meant to serve and teach and lead. And really my message was about my story and how my dot changed with every season that I was in. But helping people find their own dot through a flex framework where it's about finding your voice, learning a new skill, um, entering a community and experimenting for a hundred days. And I really wanted to give people permission to experiment, to fail, to learn, to trial and error, because that's what most of my journey was made up of.
0: Ah, so good. Okay. So when that book comes out, will you come back on the podcast and we can talk all about it?
1: Oh, I I feel like my agent would force me to like, what are all the podcasts that we can do to promote? (laughs) So thank you for the insight.
0: Yes. Okay. Let's make, let's make it happen. I love it. Okay. So I want to go back to one thing you said, and then I want to talk about blogging because so many of my listeners think that blogging doesn't work anymore. And we're going to talk about that. But before I do, you said something interesting that I was like, so intrigued. You said when you get into your Coaching sessions and your roundtables with your 30 people in your sessions, you talk about entrepreneurial taboo topics. Like, give me an example of what that would be.
1: Ooh, troll comments. That was last week's discussion. We talked about oh. how to trolls, how, when to know it's okay to block someone, you know, like these things that happen to us on our journey, but no one really talks about it because there is a lot of taboo or stigma around it. Like, how do you respond to trolls? No one really teaches on that. And having that safe space or creating that safe space to like, allow them to just pick my brain about stuff that like, hey, Glo, I've never seen someone talk about this. What's your take on this? Here's a comment that I got. How would you respond? It's really powerful.
0: So good. And which leads me to, Glow had mentioned on her Instagram, in the feed, not just stories, but in the feed, she does these carousel lessons. I devour every single one of them because I am such a student of yours. And you share it in a way that I am open-hearted to it. I know I need to learn. You give tough love, but you also teach. And it's just beautiful. So my friends, you've got to go check her out on Instagram because that you will learn so much just from a few swipes. So totally worth it.
1: I appreciate that so much. Sorry. One quick thing I wanted to mention as well is that I was very intentional with the toning of that because I was like, how can I make this an invitation for a deeper perspective? Because everything else, like, of course, the black community was in a lot of pain. We were triggered, but I was like, if I want people to genuinely feel invited to the conversation, I have to make my post an invitation to go deeper. And so even taking that time to like, how can I make this an invitation and not like a, a lecture or a scolding was very intentional. And I'm glad it was well-received.
0: Oh, it was a million percent felt like an invitation. It, it wasn't like you were coddling us, especially let's say white women or men, but you, I didn't feel coddled or anything because I don't deserve that. But I did feel like you were inviting me in to really learn and understand in everything you do. So I just want to tell you, I really appreciate that. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, it was beautiful. Okay, so let's talk blogging because there are some people that will come to me uh, almost regularly because I'm a podcaster and they'll say, okay, so Amy, you podcast because you think that blogging is not popular. It doesn't work anymore, right? And I would never say that, but I want to hear your perspective on blogging. And do you feel as though it's just as effective as ever?
1: That's such a good question, especially because, I mean, this makes year 20 of blogging for me. Oh, my gosh. You're so
0: young. It's so crazy that you could say you've been doing anything for 20 years. That's crazy. Know,
1: <laughs> which is so cool. Like, oh, yeah. I'm just so glad I allowed myself to start before I knew what I was doing. But, of course, there were years where maybe I, I was only able to publish, like, seven blog posts, you know, but even in the past. And and what I know about social media now is that whether it's blogging or a YouTube or a podcast, people have to find some way of long form content that they can just zone in on. Because if it's not a blog, it has to be a podcast or a YouTube. And for me, I'm a writer first. Like I I do my own photography uh, with a tripod and I show that on my Instagram as well. But before anything else I do, it's like, I'm a writer at heart and using words to tell stories is like what I'm best at. So blogging for me made the most sense as a platform that I just, yeah, just continued to to own in on. And another thing is my blog is the blogabroad.com, but I've like, I'm going through a rebrand where it's just going to be self-titled. It's going to be com, And I think that transition, like, even though I'm still going to be blogging and travel blogging, I want to let people into so many other aspects of my life that I didn't have experience on before. And I think with people going through constant pivots, different iterations of their business and their brand, allow themselves to just honor the season that they're in. I'm glad I allowed it to be the blog abroad for seven years because that's what it needed to be. But now that I have so many ways that I show up in the world, so many layers and nuances to my existence, making it self-titled makes sense now so that people can come for whatever they need, whether it's travel, entrepreneurship, faith. So yeah.
0: I'm so glad you're doing that because there are so many layers to you and so much that people find incredibly interesting and valuable. So tell me this, what is the best and most effective way do you think to use a blog as an entrepreneur? Do you think it's exactly what you just said where you've gotten more broad on the topics?
1: You know, that's such a great question because I think your blog should always be the the home of everything else you do, especially if you're someone that wants, like, if if you know that like, okay, I glow, I don't want to do YouTube. I don't want to do a podcast. You really have to make your blog, your home base of like everything else you do. So let's say you do an Instagram post that is, you know, I don't know, you're writing about 10 tips, uh, 10 ways to have a better morning routine. Like let the Instagram post be like a, a, a snippet, of the blog posts, generate the traffic back to your blog. Because if you have like a blogging ad platform, I use Mediavine. So Mediavine pays me once a month for basically ad revenue. And it's such a great passive way to build income. And also think about the longevity of your content. Like I look at social media, like snack food, it's like junk food but your blog, that's wholesome. Like it's a salad. It's a whole, yes! you know,
0: I love that analogy. That's actually perfect. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So switching gears just a bit from blogging, you've literally built a successful business by following your passion. And I think everyone dreams of doing this, but not many take that leap because of this like firmly rooted belief that we can't make money doing something that lights us up or something we absolutely love or something that's totally aligned with our passion. And sometimes people get the message, so if it's your passion, do it as a hobby, but then create a business in a different realm or whatever. So give me some truth here. Is there money in a passion-led business?
1: Ooh, (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, you're stumping me here because, Man. man, I... Okay, I'm going to answer this a couple ways. But the first thing I want to say is I have this kind of like, I guess, five point framework when it comes to passion, because passion alone is not a sustainable business. Passion is needed to build a sustainable business. But along with your passion, you need to have purpose, you need to have a promise, you need to be proficient, and you need to speak to a pain point.
0: Whoa. Okay. I just need you to repeat that all over again. My friends, if you're multitasking, come back to me. Can you say that again?
1: (laughs) Yes. There's a five P framework that I teach that along with your passion, you need to have a purpose, a promise, be proficient and speak to a pain point. And if you can bring all of those five P's together, then yes, you can build a sustainable business, but passion alone cannot do that.
0: I didn't actually know how you were going to answer that. And it is so perfect. I love this. Okay. So that this 5P framework, when when you really think about those different elements there, it could lead you to being a multi-passionate entrepreneur. And you truly are. You have different ways you make money in different sectors, I guess. So tell me this, how do you become successful? being multi-passionate without being pulled in too many directions, diluting one area to another, kind of being flighty and jumping here and there and chasing the next shiny object. I think there's a fine line that multi-passionate entrepreneurs might walk. So can you talk about that a little?
1: Ooh, that's good because I feel like a lot of my years, I was just kind of chasing the shiny balls. (laughs) Yep. I definitely want to. You know, it, it, it's hard, but if I can quickly just walk through my own five P's, because I think people can see how I'm able to take my multi-hyphenate ways and translate it into the the five P's. I would love it. Yeah. So, purpose. I believe my purpose is to unify communities. I'm meant to bridge the gap between different communities and different people and tell different stories. I think tact and diplomacy are two of my greatest assets. Because no matter the situation or the conflict, I can come in and bring levity, charm, and light to it. As a light worker, I believe that's my purpose. Passion, I love to travel. I love adventure. I love seeking newness. I love doing something for the first time and going through that experience of like, oh my gosh, I got to do that again. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Speaking to a bigger promise, I believe everyone is gifted with something specifically made for them. Everyone has an innate gift that they're meant to carry out in this world proficiency. My formal education is in marketing and communications. So I am really good at social media marketing and communications and using words to tell stories. And then a pain point, the pain point that I try to speak to is how everyone is meant to be doing something big with their life. But sometimes you're not going to know what that is right away. Sometimes that might mean disappointing your parents or leaving what is familiar or breaking up with your, your partner. Like, I speak to the pain point of telling people that risk is involved in a lot of parts of this journey. So yeah, I I think with all of you bring all of those together, being multi-hyphenate allows me to kind of tap dance in multiple lanes, depending on the season that I'm in. So when I was living on the road, seven years, literally living out of four suitcases, I'm like, okay, I'm in a season of digital storytelling. I just want to tell stories of different countries to kind of like show people that we're way more alike than we are different. And I think just, I love being multi-passionate. I love being multi-hyphenate. And I love that I can kind of decide what my, my workflow looks like based on the season I'm in.
0: Okay, that was beautiful. And my friends, we're gonna put the five Ps in the show notes. I want you to do exactly what GLOW just did and get really clear of your own story within those five Ps. Because I think like you have so much clarity, GLOW. You're, you're not confused about how you serve and why you serve.
1: Yes. And I think that of course takes time. It takes trial and error. If I were able to foresee and forecast what my life would look like in 10 years, 10 years ago, I think I would have got comfortable. I would have got complacent with like where I was. So I'm glad that sometimes my journey, it's like me sitting in a cloud, not knowing which direction is the light, but being willing to say, okay, if I move any direction, eventually I'll get out of this cloud. And I think a lot of us wait for clarity in order to make the next step, but clarity comes from movement and motion. So you got to get going before you know what to do.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So before I let you go, I do have a question. What do your mom and dad think about what you do now?
1: Oh, <laughs> and here's the thing. I, I love this question because I have no shame in answering it. I just wish it was like a happier ending. <laughs> <because> <laughs> like, and here's the thing. This isn't the ending, but my mom will still, you know, in her Nigerian accent, You know, Gloria, there's still time for you to be a doctor. You know, you can still (laughs) go back to school and get your master's degree and get a real job. And, you know, you can get a husband. You know, no, no man wants a woman who's always running away. You're always traveling. And I'm like, no, no, this is not running away. This is traveling and living my dream. (laughs)
0: What I love about this is I actually I didn't know where that answer would go. But there's so many people listening that their family don't really get it. And they still keep moving forward. So you're not letting your family define who you should be or how you should be. You're just doing your thing and still loving your family as you do it.
1: Yeah, and I think the two, they don't have to be mutually exclusive, but the fact that you can honor the sacrifices your parents have made, you know, as an immigrant child, but still know that you have your own dream and life and purpose, and if there's any immigrant children that are listening, like, you know, the pressure that was put on us at a young age that like our parents almost like guilted us into feeling like we owed them our life and we were meant to live whatever they told us to do because they came all the way to America to give us a better life and opportunity. So if we don't, it means we're ungrateful. We don't honor their sacrifices. And I'm like, no, I can honor your sacrifice, mom, but still- want to carry out this, this insatiable desire to do something crazy with my life.
0: (laughs) Okay. Seriously. I have this huge smile on my face. I love every word that comes out of your mouth. And I'm (laughs) such a fan of yours. I can't believe you. I know this is showing my age, but you've, are so young, and you have done so much. I can't even wait to see what you do in the next 10 years. You're going to blow everyone's mind. You already have. So Glow, it was a true pleasure having you on the show. I can't wait to have you back to talk all about your book when you're ready to do so. So in the meantime, remind people where they can find you online, give all your links and all that good stuff, because I know people are going to start searching for you.
1: Thank you so much, Amy, for having me. I've been listening to your podcast for years. So Uh I really appreciate being here. Um, But yes, Instagram is the best place to catch me on a day-to-day basis at Glow Graphics. And you can go to yoitsglow.com for all my other social links.
0: (laughs) So perfect. We'll put all the links in the show notes as well, along with the 5P framework. So my friends, thanks so much for being here. And Glow, thanks again.
1: Pleasure, Amy. Thank you again. (laughs)
0: Okay, now that Glow has jumped off, I know I gushed a little bit more than normal at the end, but do you see why I love her so much? She just makes you feel inspired. And she is such a strategic entrepreneur in the way she manages the many different assets in her business that I'm just always intrigued with how she does it. So I want you to take action. I want to make sure that the time we just spent with Glow Actually gets implemented into your business. So you know what I'm going to say, right? I want you to do those five P's. And if you go to the show notes for this episode, I'll write them all out so you can actually do the exercise. But I really do believe it's going to make a big difference. I think so many of my students come to me and they'll say, Amy, I just need more clarity in my business. I need to be able to focus more. And can you imagine if you got clear on her five P formula? how you will have more clarity, how it will be easier to focus because you know who you serve, how you serve them and why you serve them. I just think it's a game changer. Okay, so I hope this episode lit a fire in you. I know it did me and I want you to take action. So what are you gonna do about it? Let's make it happen. All right, my friends, thank you so much for tuning in. I cannot wait to see you again, same time, same place next week. Bye for now.